Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shuart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you're an entrepreneur with an idea for business, there's now a fairly well-worn path to getting yourself up and running. There are pitch nights, business incubators, angel investors already and willing to get involved with you and your business. The underlying principle behind the enthusiasm of all these people for your business is the presumption that you want to make a lot of money. And when you become the next Google or Facebook, everybody who was there at the beginning will get a vacation with Richard Branson. But the truth is, not everybody wants to be a captain of industry. Maybe you just want to sell enough handcrafted fleur-de-lis or downloads of Swahili translation app to make enough money to pay for the rent and feed your family. Uh, nobody is going to get rich backing you, but you'd still like some support. So where do you turn to? In New Orleans, you can turn to Christy Austelet. Her company, Pow Wow Productions, and her flagship entrepreneurial support program, Venture Pop. Christy, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. Thanks to social media, one of Silicon Valley's venture capital investors has gotten famous for her observation that genius is evenly distributed across zip codes, but access and opportunity are not. Here in New Orleans, Aaron Walker is setting out to redress that balance. Aaron is the founder of a business investment and incubator program called Camelback Ventures. Camelback focuses on backing entrepreneurs who are women and or people of color. Camelback invests resources, including actual cash, into the businesses it supports. And for three years in a row, three or more of Camelback's fellows have been named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 in education list. Aaron, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. Now, Christy, I'll start with you. Judging by the success and growth of Venture Pop, it seems like you've discovered a version of the emperor's new clothes. When we hear pitches for business, the person with the pitch often has to torture logic to convince themselves that their idea has the potential to become a fabulous multinational corporation. We sit there looking impressed when we all know that's probably a ridiculous fantasy. Your concept of taking people with ideas for creative businesses and helping them develop skills to become self-sustaining and profitable on a smaller scale is insightful, realistic, and valuable. Ironically, Venture Pop could catch on and you could scale it or franchise it across the country and around the world. But in the interim, though, how are you running it? Are you a nonprofit service organization or a for-profit consultancy or maybe something else? Sure. So um, me and my business partner, Sierra Hosenthal, we have um, an annual event that we get everybody together. Um, it's kind of like this underground network of entrepreneurs, like it's smaller like a, like entrepreneurs. Like a big hotel or something like that? Or? We try and find these kind of fun, unconventional okay. venues where um, it's just like kind of a more inspiring atmosphere, kind of raw, but um, fun. We just have a great time at this annual event that we call Venture Pop. And then we have events throughout the entire year. So it really focuses on entrepreneurs that are like kind of freelancer or solopreneurs. What happens when you get these people in a room? 
You know, it's this crazy, you, all these people who work individually, um, when they all come together, it's really this electric feeling. Everybody just kind of buzzes about because they know that, like, we get what you're doing kind of thing. Because it's this unconventional kind of group of people. And so when they all get together, it's like everybody gets what each other's doing. And it's just really... I don't know. You can just feel this energy in the room, which is so exciting. And one thing I hear in New Orleans versus, you know, other big cities, Boston, New York, San Francisco, is that um, these folks want to help each other. Is, do yeah. you find that? Yeah, there's a big um, community over competition kind of mentality that's going on. Um, mostly when you're working individually, you refer, you, um, you like rely a lot on referrals. And so really they're not true competition but maybe they're not the best client for you or the best fit or you can team up on ideas like Sierra and I have and um, just kind of build from there while keeping your the freedom of having your own unique business or product or service that you work on. I like to stick my head in the door sometime. (laughs) Yeah for sure it's fun it's a real fun group of people. (laughs) Now Aaron Camelback Ventures is not a traditional business incubator. Incubators tend to function more like consultants. Camelback makes actual cash investments in the business it works with. But on the other hand, you're not just simple dollars and cents investors. Uh, Like a Camelback house, which is a New Orleans invention that falls somewhere between being a one-story and two-story house without actually being either, with Camelback Ventures, you seem to have invented a hybrid investment incubator and consultancy. So when a company applies for a slot at Camelback, is the criteria for getting accepted the chances of Camelback making good on the investment? Does the business idea have to have some sort of social relevance? Or are there some sort of hybrid formula that you're looking for? Yeah, uh, uh, probably more the latter. Okay. Uh, a little bit of everything. So uh, definitely there, there needs to be some sort of social impact you know, that, that we're looking for. What would for. be examples? <clears throat> Well, right now, the, our focus is on education. So we made 33 investments in the last three years, and they have all been in the education realm, whether it be um, new schools like Rooted School, which is uh, right down on St. Charles, or uh, EdTech Company. Um, so we, we've, done, we've done both. Because and, and Louisiana has become like the, I mean, New Orleans has become the kind of the Petri dish of educational innovation. So right. you're in the right spot. Right. Uh, which is part of the reason why we're here. Um, and so, so definitely that has to be a social impact. You know, I think we are structured as a nonprofit, and so we have this conception of wanting to build an evergreen fund where we do want our companies to be successful because, you know, every time we make an investment and that company is successful, we then are able to earn some money that we can actually uh, use for a new set of entrepreneurs. Um, and so in that way, hopefully, we can build an organization and uh, a fund that's self-sustaining. Um, is really uh, part of the business model here. Uh, and so in that way, you know, we, we do try to analyze, do we think that this, that this venture has an opportunity to, to, to be successful as a business? Now, you've got, you've got people that are intentionally not-for-profit and others that, that hope to earn a profit. Yeah. Do you give them the same package, which is, sounds to be 40000 in cash and um, like, a, like a coach? Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, everyone, uh, we would sort of say all entrepreneurs need the same three things to be successful, uh, coaching, connections, and capital. And so that is how we have structured the, the fundamentals of, of our program. So $40,000 uh, a coach, and we try to actually just use our social capital, our connections to... Yeah, where does the money come from, Eric? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always ask myself that every day. <laughs> Um, so we, we raise money from, from high net worth individuals and foundations um, who are interested in impact investing and sort of understand and see that there are is just a set of folks in our country who, um, for a whole set of reasons, just have not had the same opportunities um, at entrepreneurship and are interested in helping us do that. Why did you do what you did? Um, you know, I, I, I just think for me it has been, um, you know, I, I've said this a bunch of times in the, in the in a bunch of different places, but um, like my favorite sport is baseball, and Me too. my my childhood and I suppose adult hero was Jackie Robinson. And you know, one of his quotes: "If you ever go to the new City Field um, yeah, in, in New York New City, York, yeah. and you walk in uh, at the at the top, there is a quote from Jackie Robinson that says that a life is not important except for the impact it has on others." And so, I guess for me, that has just been the the animating. Um, sort of feature of, of the things that have motivated me is not necessarily money, but what can I do to uh, sort of have an impact, and albeit a positive one, I hope, um, on, <laughs> on, on other folks. Well, you're, you're doing it. And Christy, um, you have actually two different businesses, but they're, they're related. How, how does that put together? Yeah, so I work a lot in the events industry in general and have a lot of experience in events. So you got this one, this annual two-day event, and right. then what's the other side? So I actually help other people plan their events. So people who come in town to New Orleans that host workshops or like these high-end masterminds where people pay the big bucks to come right. spend like a weekend with a business coach or something like that. I kind of plan their entire itinerary. and so hotel, food, the whole... Yeah, accommodations, yeah. Um, the food, where they go, um, even down to the table of where their workshop is. We style everything and... Um, anything that encompasses it and make sure that they're all well taken care of. So these could be um, these could be entrepreneurs or they could be big corporations, right? They, right. How do they find yeah. out about you? It's usually people I work with in other areas. So they may have been past speakers at VenturePop or people who are related to those speakers or recommendations for people I've worked for. It's kind of like word of mouth. Now I see where the money comes from from that. You charge a, charge mm -hmm. a fee on VenturePop. Do the people have to pay to come in? For, for it to come to the two-day conference? Oh, yes, yes. So Venture Pop is like a paid weekend where they get access to all the speakers, and it's like a full weekend of events for Venture Pop as well. So we have like happy hours and after parties and... Second lines. Yep, we yeah, have a second line for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did. You never know what's going to happen. That actually came, yeah, we pulled that together within an hour. We're like, you know what would be really fun is to have a second line at our after party. And I happened to know a band and called them and they were available and they showed up. So that was really fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything that kind of has to do with, it, it's really all about these people who are coming to better their their business or their, you know. Do you stick with them? Do you, do you find out how they're doing? I do. I actually become friends with like almost everybody that comes to Venture Pop um, or any of these people that attend the masterminds. They a lot of times wind up coming to Venture Pop the next year. And so it kind of becomes this 
circle of friends that are kind of like all rooting for each other. It's really oh, fun. That is great. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Christy Austelet, co-founder of the creative business incubator Venture Pop, and Aaron Walker, founder of Camelback Ventures, which focuses on investing in startups owned by women and people of color. Now, Aaron, how do you, how do you get paid? I mean, um, let's see, I guess you've got, I guess you get two different camps, right? You've got the for-profit and the not-for-profit. What's what's the model for you? Yeah, um, so we we just have uh, a not for profit, and so when we raise money, we are able to use it in a couple different ways. One is to make direct investments in these organizations or companies, and then two is um, we use it to pay ourselves, right? So we all just we all earn a salary, um, and that that is you know that is how our team is able to pay ourselves, and then. For the investments that we that we make, um, our again our, our hope and our goal is that um, those investments you know reap you know returns, and then because a nonprofit technically has no owners, right? That's true. Um, we, all, we 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 cannot enrich ourselves in that way, so we take that we recycle it back into the nonprofit itself, and that is able to uh, help us you know find a new set of entrepreneurs. Two questions: Where yeah. do you find the um, yeah. the clients, and where do you find the uh, uh, the donors? Yeah, um, you know the the clients. It's just it's uh we, we've been doing this for three years now, so we, there is a little bit of traction that has been built up. We have entrepreneurs who are out there in the world saying like, "Hey, I did this uh, this program, Camelback Ventures, and it was it was all right. It was pretty good." And so they have become evangelists for us. Um, you know, my colleague Amanda Tian is here, and she. Has been amazing and just sort of marketing our work. So it's, you know, somebody's it's, finding out about it. It's you. a it's a push. Great. You know, we push out information and then also you know people come to us. And where do you get the the donors? How do people find out uh, yeah. what you're doing? Yeah. So in a, in a different life, um, I used to work at a, a venture philanthropy in New York City called the Fund for Public Schools, and um, I sort of learned a lot about fundraising and the donor world in that job, and so um, was able to take a lot of the connections and just sort of access that I had there to sort of leverage it for Camelback. And Christy, your background is not in the business side. You um, you actually met your uh, your business partner at at Noka, and you're you're an, you're an arts person. Yeah, I mean it was actually really crazy because. I went to NOCA for one year, um, like I went to Dominican, so they allow you to go for a year, and Sierra was there also um, that year that I was there, and we both kind of took totally different tracks from there, and then, I don't know, I think we calculated it one day, it was like 10 to 12 years later, our paths just started crossing, because we were both doing kind of like an entrepreneurial version of like art in some way, so she does graphic design, and um, I was working on like events and things in that area and then it's like suddenly our paths just kept crossing kept crossing it's been really fun to kind of figure out like what we needed and how we can provide that to other people and um well, maybe you needed 10 or 12 circle. years apart that might, have, that might have put it over <laughs> some people do <laughs> now christy and aaron this is the part of the show we call another great idea maybe you've got a friend like this someone who's always got a great idea for you uh, they tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. You can take advice like this, and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great, or you can take your friend's advice, and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had a great idea for you, and did you take their advice 
And how did it turn out, uh, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so so my my best friend that happens to also be my wife. Um, they say that's very good. I yeah, read a lot of magazines. Yeah. Uh, she, she has a lot of advice for me, some of which I probably couldn't share, share out the show. Um, uh, but one, one thing that she has said to me, and um, I can't say I always follow it, but it, it definitely um, sticks with me. And she's an amazing entrepreneur in her own right. Um, you know, she, she says to me, if you don't have time to do it right, um, when are you going to have time to do it over? Just sort of putting in the time the first time. Um, even if you think it's going to take longer than you want it to. Um, and also you have to say no to some ideas. Because you're going to have to pay the price later on. Yeah, I mean, there's good ideas combined. It's just not going to fit time-wise. Right. And right. That's, that's tough. It's, it's tough to say. What must be tough in your business, too, is to say no to people that have applied for the program, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say that is um, one of the harder parts of the job. And it's not, it's not the part you think of at first. You're like, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to do this. People are going to love us. We're going to be on the radio show. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that's the hardest part of the job is, is saying, no to, saying no to people, particularly because you know that the, you know, the entrepreneurs that we're trying to serve oftentimes you know, don't necessarily have the same opportunities. Um, in in entrepreneurship, so there are not a whole lot of other spaces, right, you know, just it. for um, entrepreneurs of color, for instance. Um, um, and so you you want you want to say yes to, to almost everybody. Uh, now, Christy, on on your side, what was the idea that somebody had for you? Well, you know, I was kind of thinking about it. It's so funny because I feel like I get too much advice. Like, everybody feels like they can tell you, like, oh, this is a great great idea. You should totally do this. Something about your personality. Yeah. Um, But really, you know, I feel like I heard this kind of in a few different areas. But I would say my dad is the one who I turn to the most for just the solid advice. Um, And even if you want to kind of work alone, and do your own thing just surrounding yourself with people that you know can step in and help you or that you can turn to like you know if you need accounting help you can hire an accountant but still have your own business and um you know just people you can confide in of course that's kind of what you're supplying at venture pop right i mean yeah yeah these uh, people these solo lonely entrepreneurs (laughs) what is the one thing a creative business needs is there something that that it just seems everybody's lacking that you're obviously trying to trying to give them well, um, you know, we're around creatives all the time. They, you know, like I said, these venture pop they're attendees fun. become our friends, they're fun. And, um, what we kind of seem to always go back to is this need for consistency. So like when you're your own boss um, and you don't have anybody really telling you what to do, or when you just want to be the boss and you don't want to actually be doing the work, <laughs> those are the, the funny dynamic that kind of bounces back and forth. But just staying consistent and on top of all the different facets some, of some discipline discipline and consistency one thing you have to tell them is nobody becomes an entrepreneur really because they want to work less it's much harder than whatever a job right would be. i feel like i've heard what is it I, i'll work um like 100 hours a week to avoid four, a nine to five or something along those lines i can't remember it exactly but i, I think was, that's the bumper sticker the, in your car i saw that up front <laughs> aaron i have to ask you is there a program like this going around in other parts of the country, or did you kind of invent the model here? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think we're just trying to improve on the design a little bit. Um, when when I first got started with this, you know, models that inspired me were like the Acumen Fund, 
And where's that? So Acumen Fund is based in New York. Um, it's started by a woman, uh, Jacqueline Novogratz. And so they work on an international level. So they work in India, they work in East Africa, a couple other places where they had this nonprofit fund model as well. And, you know, she was one of the, the first people, I think, on a large scale to really talk about this idea of patient capital. Right? And how do you invest in developing countries, developing communities? Uh, you, know, you brought up something very important right there, know, patient yeah, capital, because yeah. most... Venture capital people have very little patience with right. turning this thing around. Yeah, there's. Um, and you know, I don't know. I just, I just think because we it impact is such a, an important piece of what we do, um, that you know, change doesn't happen quickly, right? And so we need to invest in entrepreneurs and sort of be patient with the change that that's gonna that, that that's gonna take. We're conditioned to believe that bigger is always better and that people who are successful in business tend to look and act in in certain ways. Neither of these assumptions are necessarily true, but as much as we don't want to be a slave to convention and stereotypes, change doesn't occur by itself. Somebody has to actually make change happen. Christy and Aaron, you're both making changes in the entrepreneurial ecosystem here in New Orleans, and your work is having effects beyond the city and beyond the state. Congratulations on managing to change the way we think about business. Thank you both for everything you're doing for entrepreneurs and for the city. And thanks for taking the time to join me today on on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Peter. It's been fun. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Christy Austelet. She's the co-founder of Venture Pop and principal in Pow Wow Productions. And Aaron Walker, founder of Camelback Ventures. You can find out more about Christy's venture and Aaron's ventures by following the links on our website. It's neworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at our website, it's neworleans.com. You can also keep up with us by following us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at It's New Orleans. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on the itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by... Sure & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, 